BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey friends, thanks for joining a podcast. I want to tell you about something really new and exciting called patreon.com slash BP show. It's a great way to get uh, exclusive interviews with newsmakers, voicemails, personalized videos, political commentary, and early access to a special podcast called The Making of Bernie Sanders. Go to patreon.com slash BP show, patreon.com slash BP show. you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Yep, they control the whole mess and they can't even get a tax cut bill, right? They got to do they have to do a, uh, a revote today because they got it wrong yesterday. What a bunch of clowns. Hey, hello, everybody. It is middle of the week, Wednesday, Wednesday, December 20. How about it? Great to see you today. Welcome to the Bill Press Show here from our nation's capital. We join you all across this great land of ours with the news of the day. Uh, most of it centered on the big tax cut uh, bill vote yesterday in the House and then in the Senate, except they got it wrong in the House and they're going to have to uh, do it all over again today. Uh, big news in the state of Virginia, where on a recount, thanks to a recount, the uh, Democrats picked up one more seat, which means that the House of Delegates in Virginia is now tied 50-50. A big change, a pickup of 16 seats, total of 16 seats by Democrats on November 7. Uh, having got done the uh, almost finished, the tax cut bill, Congress now has to uh, wrestle with keeping the government open for another couple of weeks or so so they can take a long uh, holiday vacation. Uh, that vote has to happen before Friday when the government runs out of money. And uh, Donald Trump wakes up this morning to the lowest approval rating of any president since they started taking polls. Uh, and, of course, he'll turn that around into somehow good news, all right? Uh, but it is not good news. Think about it. Any, any president you can remember, Donald Trump, lower approval rating than all of them. Uh, we are just getting started here today and look forward to hearing from you. Uh, love hearing from you and your take on the news of the day on Twitter at BP Show. It's all yours. Get to it. Send us your comments. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. We go to Twitter where yesterday there was a back and forth between Congressman Ted Lieu and Sarah Huckabee Sanders. Yesterday on Fox News, Sarah Sanders said that Democrats should have been, quote, begging to be a part of the process to craft this tax bill that we're about to talk about. Well, Ted Lieu wrote to her on Twitter and said, Dear Press Secretary, her handle, Press Sec, you don't serve in Congress. I do. And I can say with absolute certainty that you are lying. So Sarah Sanders wrote back, somewhat ironically, 
Dear Ted Lou, I don't serve in Congress, but I can read. If you had read the story, not an incorrect tweet, you would see what I said was Dems should be begging to help Americans keep more of their money. You should spend less time tweeting and more time doing your job. Oh, God. Says Sarah Sanders, whose boss is Donald Trump. Trump. Uh, so <laughs> talk about the pot calling the kettle black. Yeah, it's yeah. a bit of a, a, a struggle there, I think. By the way, a big loss for Uber yesterday. An EU court ruled that it is, in fact, a transportation service. Yeah, Uber had been arguing for some reason that they were just a digital app that acted as an intermediary between drivers and customers looking for a ride. They had nothing to do with transportation. Well, the EU said. No, in fact, you are a transportation company, which means you will be regulated like other taxi operators. So it's a big deal for how Uber does business, which means essentially they're going to have to adapt some standards that they haven't had to face. And maybe pay their drivers more. Also that. Yes. <laughs> also that. One final story we mentioned uh, earlier in the year, just a couple of weeks ago, actually, that you uh, that Tesla had unveiled a huge new truck. A very, very efficient truck that uh, does pretty well with the battery because they have more room to put bigger batteries on it when it's like a commercial truck. Well, yesterday, UPS announced they have pre-ordered 125 of the new fully electric semi-tractor-trailer trucks. But I think these are going to be... Well, they're working on a self-driving truck. They're working too. on that, but these are not these not, are not driverless oh, cars. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. To, to combine the last two stories, can I tell you something weird? Yeah. The other day, I saw an Uber driver driving a Hummer. Oh. <laughs> you feel like you probably just, it's like, you don't even lose money off that as a driver? You lose money on that. On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Hey, you want to pay more in taxes? Well, you're going to. You're just about to as soon as Republicans in Congress do the final vote on the tax cut bill as of today. Yep. Thank you, Mitch McConnell. Thank you, Paul Ryan. I hope you send a little Christmas card and and Donald Trump and thank them all for raising your taxes because that's exactly what they're doing as of today. Hello, everybody. It is the Bill Press Show on Wednesday, December 20. Don't be fooled. This tax cut bill is no bonanza for the middle class. It is a huge bonanza for big corporations and the wealthiest of Americans. Uh, And we will, uh, everybody, every analysis of the bill concludes just that. And we'll tell you more about it here on the Bill Press Show this Wednesday, uh, December 20. Good to see you today, and thanks for being part of the program. It is a busy, busy time here in Washington, D.C., everybody running to get things done before they head off to the holidays, uh, including us, uh, and including, I'm sure it's busy wherever you happen to be, too. We're joining you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show, where, of course, you know uh, that when you go there, you also sign up, subscribe, to be part of the program. We're joining you on Free Speech TV as well and out in Chicago area on the great WCPT, the progressive um, megaphone uh, in the Chicago area. Uh, This, um, Peter, what's going on with um, Patreon? Patreon's still up there. Yeah, patreon.com slash BP show. We put up your party shot, your commentary, 
every day that you're here. So the only way you can get it is if you sign up at patreon.com. Plus, if you haven't listened yet, uh, if you didn't travel over the holidays, you're going to be traveling over Christmas. Yeah. Or over yeah. Thanksgiving, you're traveling over Christmas. We have the entire Making of Bernie Sanders podcast available just for you there at patreon.com slash BP show. And a regular podcast. So I've run into more and more people say they listen to the podcast. That's the way more and more people listen sure. to the That's radio a fact. these days. More, yeah. more and more people are listening to our podcast every day. And they find our podcast. Just search for the Bill Price Show on iTunes or a- anywhere Apple, else. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, any of those platforms. Any wherever you get your podcast, tune in. We're there. If you listen to our show live on WCPT there already, you can get the podcast there as well. All right. So you can't escape us, basically, what we're trying we're to everywhere. say. We're everywhere. We are indeed with a great lineup of guests today. Jesse Burns is an associate editor at The Hill, the great newspaper covering uh, doings on Capitol Hill. Um, he'll be along here uh, joining us in studio, as well as. Uh, the good congressman from Rhode Island, uh, Congressman David Cicilline, former mayor of Providence, Rhode Island, uh, a real charger in the House of Representatives, will be joining us in studio as well. And then Addie Baird, a political reporter from uh, Think Progress. You know, I'm going to start with a little bit of good news today. We talk about the bad news all the time. Let's talk about some good news in Virginia, the Virginia House of Delegates. This is nuts. This is a great story. So remember, there was that governor's race some people weren't sure ralph northam or ed gillespie how that was going to go they thought it might be tight democrat ralph northam ended up just crushing uh, ed gillespie but the big news was that democrats org had such a great ground campaign such a great grassroots campaign and they they put up candidates in every single district for the house of delegates which before the election <clears throat> was 66 Republicans, and it's been that way for 20 years, a Republican advantage. But before the election, before November 7, it was 66 Republicans and 34 Democrats. So Governor Terry McAuliffe really couldn't get a lot done, certainly not as much as he, he, he accomplished a lot, certainly not as much as he wanted to because the Republican House kept shooting him down. Democrats put up a candidate, everyone. And um, <clears throat> the night of... No, after the dust settled on November 7, Democrats had actually picked up 15 seats, which made it 51-49. But there was one district, the 94th district, which was very, very close. The Republican only led by 10 points. That triggered an automatic recount. The Republican was David Yancey, incumbent Republican in the 94th District. <coughs> Pardon me. The Democratic challenger, a uh, woman who had never, not run for office before, Shelley Simons. Uh, and so she's 10 points back. They did the recount. Lo and behold, the recount showed that she picked up 11 votes. And the final tally then she wins by one vote. <laughs> Incredible. And that means that this 94th district now will flip from Republican to Democrat. And that means the count in the House of Delegates in Virginia is 50-50. It went from 66-34 to 50-50. Out. I have to tell you, Aesop never wrote a clearer fable than this one, right? To me, this proves this is a lesson in democracy. For all of us, everywhere in the country, it's a lesson in democracy. And to me, it proves two things right away. 
and maybe you can add to it. One is it's important to have a Democratic challenger in every candidate challenger in every single district in the country. The Democratic chair of the Democratic Party, Tom Perez, has been our guest many times. The way he puts it is every zip code counts, right? Well, every district counts. Every seat counts. And those seats, like this one, that have been held by Republicans, that have been read forever, we can still win in those districts. But you can't win in those districts unless you have a candidate and a good candidate and a good message, of course. You need all of that. But if you don't compete, you ain't never going to win. Yeah. By the way, on her message, she ran on expanding the Medicaid program. She ran on redistricting. She ran on the Equal Rights Amendment. And she ran on increasing the state's minimum wage. Yeah, a real progressive. So, again, yeah, this yeah. isn't like a Joe no. Manchin Democrat. Right. No, she's out there. Uh, and, 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 and she won. So the first message is you got to have a candidate in every single district in, for every single seat in every single zip code. And the second message is every vote counts, damn it. These people who say, I'm not going to vote because my vote doesn't count, right? This proves every single vote counts. If one schlub in that district had stayed home with that attitude, just one, right, she wouldn't be in the, in the, in the House of Delegates. It's nuts, so man. it just shows you how important that how important that that vote is. Every vote does count, and this really this really proves it. I mean, it's unlikely that a vote for president, a presidential election would be decided by one vote, but it could it could. And by the way, this last election <clears throat> where we got saddled with Donald Trump was only decided by some 70,000, right? Which is, I, I, I haven't done the, I haven't really checked it, but I'll bet you that's less than one person per voting precinct in the country. Probably. Got to be, you know? Probably. Yeah. Not that many. Very, very close. So anyhow, good for uh, Shelly Simons. Good for the House of Delegates. That's a little bit of good news. Nothing to celebrate, though, in the tax bill yesterday. Um, but the, the the real story is again, they can they they shut the Democrats out of the process. They rigged the whole deal, so all they need are Republican votes. They control the House. They control the Senate. They have bought off every Republican senator by giving anybody who wanted a special little tax break for their particular industry, like Bob Corker, and and giving commercial real estate another big boost at the end. They did everything they could to grease the skids for this tax bill, which screws the majority of Americans. And what did they do? (laughs) They screwed it up yesterday. They They voted for it in the House. Great big celebration. And then it went over to the Senate, and they discovered, oops, the way the House did this doesn't fit the Senate procedures. There's stuff in there. I'm not even sure exactly what it is. but It wasn't was, very clear on what it was. No, there was exactly, stuff in there but... that the Senate can't do, can't pass, can't accept. So the Senate takes that little part out. They vote for the rest of the bill. <sighs> That means it has to go back to the House today for uh, a redo, a retake, <laughs> uh, a mulligan. The, the, again, may I point out, this is Paul Ryan. 
whom everybody thinks is this boy genius. No, he's not. He's a dummy. He really is, right? Uh, But yesterday, so what you had, and what's what's so sickening, again, we've been over this bill so much, and boy, I know, I know that you uh, understand this. The, the, The latest CNN poll on this tax bill, this is why you gotta scratch your head and say, why are Republicans doing this, right? 55% of Americans oppose this tax bill. Why? Because they know it's strictly welfare for the rich and it's going to screw the middle class. 55% oppose it. Four out of 10 Americans say they're going to be worse off in terms of taxes after this bill passes than they are today. Four out of ten, just about one half of Americans say that. Two-thirds of Americans say that this bill mostly helps the wealthy people in this country, which it does. And two-thirds of the American people say this is going to help Donald Trump and his family, most of all, most of all. I mean, it's just, I think it's political suicide to pass this thing. And because we know what it really amounts to. 80% of all, at least any analysis will say 80% of the benefits here, at least 80%, go to the big corporations and the wealthiest uh, of Americans. The corporate tax break, again, is a permanent tax break. The modest little tax break that some people in the middle class might get is only temporary. After two years, people under making under $35,000 a year will be paying more after four years, people making under $75,000 a year, 75 or less, will be paying more taxes than they are today. So there may be a temporary relief, then your taxes, your taxes are, go- are, are going to go up. Uh, again, um, by getting rid of the estate tax, by, by um, giving the pass-through companies a huge break, uh, all kinds of benefits in there benefiting the Trump family. It adds at least $1.5 trillion to the national debt with no way to pay for it. Um, Some estimates are as high as $2.2 trillion to the national debt approved by so-called deficit hawks. Republicans who always said that they're the ones who balance the budget, never do any deficit spending, threw that out the window in order to get this uh, tax cut for their wealthiest donors. And remember... They have admitted that they're passing this bill because their donors told them, we're not going to give you any more money unless you give us a tax break. That's actually been said, admitted by Republicans. That's why they're doing this. And by the way, while they're at it, of course, as part of a tax cut bill, they also get rid of the individual mandate under the Affordable Care Act which means that 13 million Americans will lose their health insurance today, again, paying that price in order that the wealthiest Americans can get another tax cut. And you add it up, it is just insane. And yet yesterday, all we heard afterwards are the Republicans, boy, they've got their talking points, do they ever, uh, about how good this is for jobs and for middle-class Americans. So first... Here's Mike Pence yesterday, vice president. Uh, He's presiding over the Senate and uh, makes the final call. On this vote, the ayes are 51. The nays 
are 48. The Senate recedes from its amendment and concurs in H.R. 1. With further amendment, the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act is passed. A uh, couple of little protesters there in the Senate. Uh, they are nothing compared to the protesters that we heard in the House of Representatives while that debate was going on. Because the chair has detected a disturbance in the gallery in contravention of the law and against the rules of the House. Hmm. The sergeant-at-arms will identify the person or persons responsible and have them escorted from the House chamber. I thought, I thought the chair has detected a disturbance. Yeah. Uh, in the chair kidding. has <laughs> detected a disturbance. Good for it's them. A still a little Star Wars reference there, a little disturbance I, yeah. in the forest. It's, huh? it's yeah. hard to miss. Did we uh, hear Medea Benjamin? Yeah, yeah right. Uh, sure, but so meanwhile, they all lined up after the vote to say, "What a great day for America this is." Uh, Paul Ryan. Now remember, <laughs> it's so blatant. You know, they're, the 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 how bad this is, and how bad they are in trying to make it sound good. I guess so. They named it the Tax Cut and Jobs Bill, right? Uh, they they have to throw that jobs in there to try to make it sound uh, sound good. I put a good spin on it. Here's Paul Ryan right after the vote. Great day for America. This is a good day for America. This yeah. is a good day for workers. This is a great day for growth. Can we talk a little bit about what what the media did with Paul Ryan yesterday and elevated him up to trying this, to idolize him? The yeah. twenty year dream that oh, yeah. he has finally seen through. 28-year-old in Congress in 1998, and all of a sudden now his tax bill is finally through. I, I, just, I really want to play this, this other clip about Paul Ryan working uh, McDonald's? at McDonald's. Yeah, oh yeah. The last time this got done, the job I had, I was working the Quarter Pounder Grill at McDonald's at the intersection of Highway 14 and 990 in Janesville, Wisconsin. Oh, this is a, it's a long time in coming. Paul Ryan grew up wealthy, just so you know. Uh, yeah. McDonald's yeah, was a high school job for him. Right, right. And the same reason and, the Tortilla Coast was a job for him just so that he could meet people right. to get even more wealthy and get a job in Congress. Yeah, but oh, the idea God. that oh, this— I hate Paul Ryan so much. Yeah. I hate Paul Ryan so much. So the idea that he comes to Congress with one goal, which is to destroy the safety net, and he's been working at it for some 20 years, meaning destroy the safety net, get rid of Social Security, get rid of Medicare, get rid of Medi- Medicaid— that's his agenda, and he's been pushing that yeah for twenty years. He's finally Speaker of the House, uh, and now he's finally got an idiot in the White House, and enough Republicans in Congress who will go along with him, sign this legislation, and idiot in the White House will, as will sign it. And we're supposed to recognize Paul Ryan as some great American? No, he's the antithesis of I think the American spirit uh, in trying to um, really destroy the American dream for the vast majority of Americans. No! Yeah, exactly. You're sure. Uh, also, on the Senate side, um, these guys, I mean, they're just dripping with hypocrisy. Uh, Mitch McConnell, save this tape, Jamie. We're going to use this tape over and over again. Okay, they go into 2018 now with this tax cuts for the rich as their agenda. The only thing, may I remind you, only one thing that they have accomplished in this entire year, tax cuts for the wealthiest of Americans. And Mitch McConnell says, we're going to sell this puppy. We can't sell this to the American people. We ought to go into another line of work. 
yeah, he should have done that a long time ago, frankly. But yeah, 20, like, 2018, That's that's what's scheduled. I want to see them sell this to American people. And and Orrin Hatch uh, from Utah, uh, he chair of the Senate Finance Committee. He picks up the same line. The Democrats have said that the American will, American people will remember this night. I hope they do, because we passed one of the most important tax breaks in this country's history. Yeah, tax breaks for whom? That's the question. We know who the tax breaks are for. Yeah, I, I, I hope, I hope, and I believe Americans will remember last night. It, it's it, like this is not the first time that that Congress has passed an unpeace, an unpopular piece of legislation in, into law, right? We're not there yet, but we're, we're pretty close. Yeah. So this isn't the first time that happened. A lot of people point out that, you know, Obamacare wasn't very popular when it went through. And Democrats were able to go out and sort of make the case, which they did. I mean, people were laying it all down on the line for Obamacare earlier this year. But the difference is that nobody knows what the hell is happening with this tax plan, right? Like there were some unknowns about how things would be implemented with like, let's say Obamacare, right? Just to use that as an example. But you ask the average Trump voter what this tax plan means to them, and they don't know. No. no, They really don't know. No, And frankly, I I, I don't totally understand it, and it's my job to pay attention to this crap. Tell you one thing they know, or they should know, uh, it's not tax reform. No. It makes the tax code more complicated, not less complicated. And <laughs> the last thing you're going to be able to do is to pay your taxes on a postcard, which is what Paul Ryan always said. That was the goal, right? Uh-uh. They, they, no. Uh-uh. They, they there were, were Republicans during the debates that would stand up there with their little yeah. postcard and say, we're going to put the tax code on this. And everybody thought it was so great and so wonderful. Yeah. Uh, so we heard those Republicans uh, giving the uh, talking points. What's this thing really all about? Uh, several Democrats spoke up yesterday, including a Democratic leader in the House, Nancy Pelosi. I thought she summed it up uh, pretty well. It's an all-out looting of America, the wholesale robbery of the middle class. Uh, Elizabeth Warren in the Senate echoing a Nancy Pelosi. Supporters of this bill call it tax reform. It's not tax reform. It is a heist. A heist. Yes, it is a bank robbery. It is the looting of the American people. And Senator Ron Wyden of Oregon saying, okay, as, as uh, we've talked about here on this program, uh, fasten your seatbelts because this is only round one. We know what's coming next. The far right architects of this tax plan are going to be coming for your Social Security and Medicare before you take your Christmas tree down. <laughs> uh, by the way, uh, I have to say that uh, um, the uh, Jamie, I'm sorry here. We have to talk about Maine for just a second. But maybe the most disgusting reaction yesterday. We know that Susan Collins, like Bob Corker, folded in the end. Yeah, she was the one we were going to count on to do the right thing, fight for the middle class. No, no, no. She caved in for some promise that she thinks they're going to give her a piece of legislation before the end of the year, which ain't going to happen uh, at any rate. And then when people criticized her for changing her mind and voting for this turkey of a bill and actually reading the same old talking points on the Senate floor, when there was critical comments about that, she accused her critics of being 
sexist. Here's the tweet from. I mean, Buzz- that is so disgusting. Here's the tweet from BuzzFeed's Paul McLeod. We asked Susan Collins about House Republicans vowing not to pass the provisions McConnell promised her to win her mm-hmm. tax vote. She stared for several seconds and said she thought the press's coverage of the tax bill has been extremely sexist. Oh, Paul, I Paul, see. Oh, Paul McLeod uh, uh, following uh, up. Just uh, check uh, the tape. Uh, Collins said the press coverage uh, was, uh, quote, so sexist, it's unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Let's, uh, that's it. Right. So if we criticize Susan that's Collins for voting for this turkey, we're sexist. If we criticize Tim Scott for voting for it, I guess we're racist as well. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't go there. It's just, you know, Don't go there, it, Susan Collins. As I said yesterday on Twitter, it's just we expect better from her. She yes. is supposed yes. to toe the line. Yeah. She is a moderate. And she, uh-huh. in some cases, has been able to reach her hand across the aisle and agree with Democrats. She listen, should have been able to agree with Democrats on this because she's not going to get what she promised. Listen, this is something that I've said all along. A, the Republicans are not going to save us from Donald Trump, which is obvious. Yep. And, and B... As much as you hate this tax bill, this is not Donald Trump. This is not something that he envisioned and wanted to make happen and saw through to the very saw it over the finish line. Look, he's going to benefit greatly from it, and his family will benefit greatly from it. This is who Republicans are. If you run with an R behind your name, you are on board for this type of crap. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and even before the vote on tax cuts yesterday, I think it's even going to get worse. Uh, uh, CNN, I mentioned uh, earlier the poll that CNN did on the uh, tax cut bill. Uh, on Donald Trump himself, uh, he is into uncharted territory, actually. He uh, he always wants to be number one, right? Well, he is number one in a perverted sense with this latest CNN poll. His approval rating is now uh, at 35%, which is a new low for Donald Trump. Not only a new low for Donald Trump. By the way, when he started... And took uh, took took the oath of office. His approval rating was at forty five percent, which was a new low at the time. It has done nothing but go thump bump 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 down since today. It's at thirty five percent, which is the lowest of any president since they've been they've started taking presidential polls for approve and disapprove. Fifty five percent of Americans disapprove of the job he is doing. Only 35% approve of the job he is doing. Uh, there we go. By the way, uh, just one other note. Uh, you might have seen uh, the passing of Cardinal Bernard Law uh, at the age of 86 in the Vatican. Uh, goodbye, good riddance. I hate to say yeah. it that way, maybe. No, I but don't. This is a guy, he was a cardinal of uh, Boston. And he's a guy who, I hope you saw the movie Spotlight, the great job the Boston Globe did in pointing all this out, uh, who presided, covered up, covered up dozens and dozens of priests who were preying on little boys, some little girls. Uh, he knew what they were doing, and he just assigned them to a different parish. That, that's what he did. And when it came out that he was covering this up, this is the, it, it, that, that was bad enough. He was never charged. He was never convicted. He was never brought to justice at all for being part of this huge priest pedophilia scandal. Uh, But then he was allowed to resign as Archbishop of of, uh, Boston and go to the Vatican where Pope John Paul II appointed him to the third most powerful post in Rome. It's just one of the 
darkest clouds over the Catholic Church, what what happened in that sca- priest pedophilia scandal, and the, the way the Vatican covered up this criminal, uh, Bernard Law, living like shameful. a king. It's absolutely shameful. Uh, at any rate, died yesterday in Rome at the age of uh, 86. The, this pope ought to come out, Francis, and condemn what Pope John Paul II did, condemn what Bernard Law did, and um, <clears throat> and apologize uh, to the people of the world for the, what the Catholic Church did in that case. We move right along. Uh, Jesse Burns joining us from The Hill. Coming up next here on The Bill Press Show, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back with all of you. Uh, your comments on Twitter, at BP Show, the rest of the news of the day. The Democrats have said that the American, will, American people will remember this night. I hope they do. Get social with Bill Press. Like us at Facebook.com slash Bill Press Show. This is The Bill Press Show. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Indeed, here we are, The Bill Press Show on this Wednesday, uh, December 20, actually. Coming to you live from Washington, D.C., and our spot right here on Capitol Hill, uh, just down the street from the United States Capitol Building, where we're brought to you by the American Federation of Government Employees, those good men and women of the AFGE under President J. David Cox are the people who keep our federal agencies up and running every single day, proud to work for America every day, not just here in Washington, but all across the country. And we salute them, thank them for the support of the program, direct you to their website at afge.org. Wild days uh, at the United States Congress, trying to get everything done before they head off for their long holiday break. Uh, Jesse Burns covers the Congress for The Hill as associate editor. Uh, Jesse, good to see you. Thanks for having me, Bill. Thanks so much uh, for coming in. So uh, before we get to that, um, we've been at it for a little over half an hour now, uh, talking about the hottest issues of the day and prompting uh, good commentary on our uh, on Twitter and other sources here. Yeah, let's actually— Jamie s- tracks all of that. Let's start on YouTube. We're going to start calling you track. I'm okay. That's a name of a Palin offspring, so I'll uh, kindly reject that name. Uh, Jamie's also been arrested multiple times. Oh, yeah. that's true. That's not the as, one thing they have in common. Not as many times as Peter. YouTube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. I want to just shout out Sue Sorensen yesterday in the YouTube chat room sending us a super chat. Remember, you could do that yeah, on oh, the right yeah. side. Thank you. Thank you. Of the page, if you're watching the live stream, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show, you'll see the chat room, then a place for you to comment. And then below that, a smiley face and a dollar sign emoji. Click that dollar sign emoji. Leave us a message. It goes all the way to the top of the chat room so everybody sees it. And you can give us some money to support the show. Sue donated $15. Thank you, Sue. Oh, my God. Sue, thank you. By the way, Sue says she misses hearing the cocktail drink info segments from days gone by on the show. So um, I think what she's saying is that there needs to be more booze on the show. Spoiler alert, stay tuned, because next week we have exactly one of those. Yes, segments. one of those coming. Okay. All, All right, right, more comments. Uh, and any invitation for more booze <laughs> on the show, I gladly accept. Yeah, if you want to send them, just send yeah. me a direct message on Twitter, and we'll gladly accept it here at the studio. Uh, <laughs> Betty W. in the YouTube chat room says, This so-called tax bill is an effing nightmare and benefits thieves. Well said. 
Let's go over to Twitter, see how the comments are going over there. Twitter, uh, or we're on Twitter at BP Show. Marsha says, does anyone believe that when this new tax scam bill reaches Trump, that he will actually read all 500 pages? <laughs> Is this a joke? Maybe Fox will read it to him so he can keep watching TV. Interesting mm. <laughs> idea. Hey, and we put up a poll yesterday morning asking if this GOP tax scam passes, which, again, it will just uh, a little hurdle here for the House today. Is it the kiss of death for Republicans in 2018 and 2020? Uh, just about final results. There's two minutes left on that poll, so you still have a chance to get your voice heard. But 83% of you say yes, it will be the kiss of death for the GOP in 2018 and 2020. 17% of you say no. Keep those comments coming in on the tax bill. Anything else that we're talking about this morning on the show on Twitter at BP Show and at YouTube, youtube.com backslash the Bill Press Show. All right. Thanks for bringing this up to date, Jamie. So, um, Jesse, first of all, what happened yesterday in the House? Uh, so they, they had the big thing. They passed the bill. They sent it over to the Senate. Yeah. And then they got it wrong? Yeah. Uh, John Kennedy, uh, Louisiana, said somebody screwed up. Uh, oh. Somebody screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's I think it's difficult to, you know, to bird-proof some of these bills coming out of the, the House. Uh, that's why typically the Senate tackles them and then the House does. So, uh there were those two provisions in the bill, one from ten- Senator Cruz uh, that they had to strip out eventually last night. Uh, now the House has to revote today. It's embarrassing and uh, a little bit awkward, but they'll probably do it pretty easily. Right. Well, it, it's um, it's a it's a factor of maybe trying to rush it through, um, not having any public hearings, not giving people a chance to read the bill, not having the three-day cooling-off period when people could read the bill, right? Well, and yeah, a lot of us dealing with, you know, those special budget rules guiding this process, you know, the reconciliation. And um, so some of these provisions, the parliamentarian at the end of the day is going to say whether that goes along with the process. Uh, And up until yesterday, we didn't have any indication that, you know, those two measures didn't. uh, But obviously, uh, the Senate parliamentarian found other ways. Right. Um, so there's no doubt this bill's going to pass today. Yeah, you know, it passed easily yesterday. Uh, it's expected to pass again this morning or later today. Right. Um, Orrin Hatch uh, last night after after the vote um, chiding Democrats uh, a little bit about uh, how good this is going to be for Republicans. Uh, here he is. The Democrats have said that the American, will, American people will remember this. I hope they do because we passed one of the most important tax breaks in this country's history. Uh, at the same time, CNN's out with a poll this morning. 55% of the American people disapprove, mm-hmm. oppose the bill. Two-thirds of them say it's going to help wealthiest Americans most of all. Four out of 10 say they're going to be worse off in terms of paying taxes uh, under this bill than they are today. So why are Republicans so sure? And what are they telling you? That, what are you hearing? that this? Why are they so sure this is going to be you know, help them in 2018. Yeah. Well, Mitch McConnell contends that Republicans are only now starting their messaging campaign. Of course, you know, we understand that they've been working on this for a few months. And uh, but, yeah, a lot of Americans don't understand what's in this bill. Uh, A lot of Americans think that uh, it's generally going to help the wealthy and not them. Uh, But at the same time, you know, next year, most Americans are going to see a tax cut. Uh, and so it's a matter of whether Republicans can take credit for that or if Democrats are able to say, well, look, eventually these are going to expire and it's not going to be permanent. You can't really take credit for that. But in the perma- in the immediacy of 2018, uh, could it be beneficial if Republicans spent it the right way? Sure. 
And what do, what do Republicans say when you point out you just added $1.5 <laughs> trillion? Dollars they don't to like the to talk about that part. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, kind of interesting to see you know, conservative Republicans especially uh, who have long uh, pushed back against adding to the, de- the deficit. Uh, really, this not being an issue uh, for them. At least they want a win. They're so desperate for a win that they... They will swallow, you know, that 1.5 trillion uh, added added to the deficit. All right, and and um, we were all looking for uh, the Republicans, like with the repeal of Obamacare vote, who put principle over party and were willing to vote no against the leadership of their party. Mm-hmm. Susan Collins, Bob Corker, John McCain. What happened to the three of them? <laughs> well, Susan Collins, you know, we we saw that uh, she at least thought that she got some some wins from the party leadership dealing with Obamacare, trying to stabilize the the markets with that. Uh, remains to be seen if that will actually hold up if she comes out a big winner in this bill or, uh, or a big loser in this fight. Because uh, we don't, you know, that well, remains well, to be seen. Well, for one thing, she said she didn't want this Obamacare repeal of the individual mandate in the bill, yeah. indicating that she wouldn't vote for it as long as it's in there. It's in there it's in and there. she's voting for it. That's right. Yeah. I, I think that kind of just shows that... Uh, at the end of 2017, Republicans you know, are desperate for anything. Uh, and so I think that was the guiding principle for a lot of this year, uh, even with health care. Uh, and so as the, the kind of w- w- as the clock gets now to the 11th hour, they're saying, hey, we need something. So on December. <laughs> no, I think you're absolutely right. It's just stunning that that's how naked it is. It's that at this hour, 20, the the impulse or comp- compulsion or obsession to pass something Mm-hmm. anything before the end of the year so they don't end of the year end of the year having to admit that we got nothing done this entire year mm-hmm. that they'll almost vote for anything yeah and i think too uh isn't that know, just disgusting <laughs> but anyway, yeah uh, the, you know the ramifications too of uh john mccain being out and i think that kind of right. impacting some senators corker and others who flipped on this bill who initially opposed it uh, I think that's a, a factor weighing in, too, that they think, you know, look, he's out, so maybe I need to step up a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I thought Corker uh, yesterday made a pretty stunning uh, admission, which I don't necessarily believe. Of course, he is getting some criticism for uh, the so-called Corker kickback, but he is in commercial real estate. He does get a huge benefit from this bill, um, personally, financially. Um, and he was against it, and now he's for it. So you could see at least a suspicion of a corker kickback. Uh, he was asked about this yesterday, basically admitting that he'd not even read the bill. He didn't even have a hand in writing it. <laughs> I should be embarrassed by this, maybe, but I haven't added a single word to this tax policy. That just hasn't been my focus. <laughs> well, first of all, do you think that's true? And number two, he's going to get his assets in place for yeah, retirement. Yeah. So that's really yeah. what his real focus is. Is that really something to brag about? <laughs> I mean, the, let's say it's the most, as they say, the biggest re- overhaul of the tax system in 20, 25, 30 years. Mm-hmm. And he admits he's voting for it with no idea what's in it. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I, I think on a strictly, you know, uh, uh, fact level, maybe he's right in the sense of he's not on the tax, you know, writing uh, block of, yeah. the, of the party there. Uh, but, yeah, I think that's not something necessarily. I, I think that shows, you know, just the amount of pressure that he's under to kind of defend himself in this situation to say, look, I haven't even written any part of it. 
but uh, yeah, of course, you know, he's been involved in in these negotiations too. So, right uh, now, there is this other thing um, that's sort of looming uh, called a government shutdown. Right, <laughs> little thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> What's it? Friday at midnight. Friday at midnight. And well, by the way, because of the screw up with the house, I mean that puts even less time yeah, for them to deal yeah. with this. I mean we are yeah. essentially dealing with two days to figure this out. Mm-hmm. Now, good luck. Uh, in, uh, so, there are a couple of issues that number one, they got to keep the, the lights on. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody wants to shut the government down with the Christmas holidays. They don't want. Sure. They don't want to hang around here for one thing. But there's still some unresolved issues. DACA is one of them. What happens to DACA? Will it be part of the deal? No, it doesn't seem at this point that there is. uh, We saw Schumer yesterday saying that it's essentially off the table. Um, There's some, uh, you know, McConnell insisting that it's going to be next month. They're going to look at this. Uh, They have until March. Uh, Democrats, you know, this was one of those things. Of course, we have to get it done by December. Uh, It's not going to happen. But, you know, they are pushing to get it done here in the next month or two. Uh, they have a, a little breathing room until mid-March to actually get it done before it affects these you know, hundreds of thousands of young immigrants in the country. Well, it wasn't so long ago that uh, in terms of looking for backbone here, I'm not, we're not seeing much backbone on the side of the Democrats, I'm afraid, on this issue. But it wasn't that long ago that Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi both said, uh-uh, there is not going to be any deal mm-hmm. uh, to keep the government running unless DACA is part of it. I mean, yeah. they were they were threatening at that time to... Mm-hmm. They even shut down the government if there were if if DACA were not included. Yeah. So what happened? Mm-mm. Well, uh, even Luis Gutierrez, a uh, longtime immigration activist, yeah. uh, told The Hill uh, last week that um, you know this is something where you know he's acknowledging that the party is under pressure going into into the 2018 to say you know what do we have to show for you know being the minority? Yeah. Uh, and uh, you're in the minority, but that doesn't mean that you can't you know hold up the process. You can't make your demands and get it done. So in, in uh, the first uh, d- uh, spending deal in August right. uh, with Trump and Democrats. Uh, so there's an opportunity for Democrats to actually get some concessions out of this process. I mean, don't they have more leverage now than they'll ever have? Well, then they're so unified. We've seen it throughout yeah. the year yes. that they've just yes. consistently been unified against Republicans. So, um, so it is kind of surprising to see that they're not kind of carrying this through. Um, but... You know, I think it just comes down to trust, and apparently they trust uh, Ryan that this will actually get done in the next few months. Well, and I, I think it, it, it helps them that Trump has indicated he wants you know the, these protections to be enshrined in the law in the next few months. Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 I'm disappointed. I know a lot of people are disappointed that they're not holding the line here. I think they have more clout than they're uh, than they'll ever have at any other time, and they're not they're just not not willing to use it. The other issue is the Children's Health Insurance Program. Uh, I mean, this is a program that has not been controversial in the past. It's been a bipartisan program for over 20 years. Uh, it, it expired when in September, mm-hmm. I think, right? Uh, and so what's the problem here? And is this going to be part of the uh, the deal between now they're going between now and friday yeah yeah i think it's another one of those uh relatively uncontroversial things that when it comes time for a shutdown and when it comes time to these last minute negotiations um you know can become an issue we are you know doug jones when he arrives in washington of course he's pushing for that but uh it's unclear if that's going to be a part of this as well yeah i mean there were uh, I, i was just looking here at this article in the new york times the, the, the hill was flooded with p- 
parents yesterday from all over the country coming saying, hey, our kids really depend on this program. Mm -hmm. uh, just whatever you do, keep the Children's Health Insurance Program. Just the name of it. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, you would think, how could anybody oppose that, right? Um, but it looks like they could leave town without renewing this program. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I think that kind of speaks to some of the – uh, just the fact that there's so few legislative days and, you know, you, you mentioned, uh, you know, having to revote now on this tax bill, you know, that just kind of eats up uh, such precious time that they ha have uh, and they're not going to you know, stay here through Christmas, of course. So um, there's just so few days to actually get some of this done. Yeah. Kaiser Foundation reporting that 16 states will have exhausted whatever chip funds they have left over by the end of January uh, and another 21 states will run out of money by the end of March. Um, so, I mean, that is a real deadline. Yeah. But you would think that they, again, what's the what's the controversy? Other than it does cost, whatever it costs, $14 billion, I think, is, is, is the figure that I've seen. But they just spent $1.5 trillion, or they're spending on $1.5 trillion on a, on a tax cut. Yeah, it's all, it's all relative, you know, it's perspective of, well, if all this out of the economy, maybe not. <laughs> uh, and uh, and then uh, they sail off into the uh, into the sunset without uh, with some hiccups this week on um, judicial nominations. Mm -hmm. um, that is, uh, does they have a little problem with vetting? Maybe <laughs> at the White House. Well, you think? <laughs> I, yeah, I think it put a, a spotlight on Don McGahn, the White House counsel, who's putting some of these nominees So he's forward. in charge, right? Yeah, uh, putting kind of the gatekeeper for uh, a lot of this. And I think we've already seen uh, several being withdrawn now. The viral video with the one, uh, you know, hugely embarrassing, not only for the nominee itself and the, the counsel, but Trump, you know. Uh, it all comes back to the, the man in charge and the, the oval there. And so uh, for him to have to now answer for that, you know, that's that's pretty embarrassing. <coughs> Pardon me. Was that Matthew uh, Spencer Peterson that yeah. I heard? <laughs> Still not Again, answering questions. Still deep dive. And I, under, and, I, and I understand and, and I appreciate this this line of question and I understand <laughs> yeah, I appreciate you're making an absolute fool of me, Senator. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a whimpering dog. <laughs> he really does, man. <laughs> uh, there were, so there were, it was Peterson, and then there were two others withdrew for for different reasons. Yeah, and I you think. have to. I mean, you have to give uh, I mean, John the, Kennedy some credit here, the yes, Republican senator, yes. for you know really going to taking taking this, these nominees to task and you know doing his job. Uh, and really, no apologies for it. You know, a Republican, you know, a Republican, a Republican. Yeah. It should no be apologies. noted again. Yeah, uh, and we don't see that typically uh, from some of these uh, senators on these panels that are you know pressing these nominees. It's kind of you know the Trump administration has been touting the fact that they're getting these nominees through at record uh, pace, and so I think this shows that you know maybe they're going to take a double look for some of these people and make sure that they have their ducks in a row. Yeah, it's interesting to me that. Um that Kennedy did this, and Grassley just seemed to go along with all of them, right? I mean, he's the chair. You would mm -hmm. think that, that that the chair would exercise some sort of a, a, 
a filter or some sort of a sieve before he would put these people in front of his committee. Yeah, and, and Grassley had, uh, previous to this incident, uh, voiced opposition against a couple of previous Trump picks uh, who the White House ultimately withdrew because of his opposition. So uh, he definitely is being vocal in that regard. Uh, I think this was just such a high-profile uh, incident with you know, Kennedy. Yeah. Now, the but at winner. the same time, we have to re- recognize that with these three exceptions, uh, Donald Trump has been hugely successful in getting his judicial nominees, mm-hmm. getting them up there and getting them through mm-hmm. um, more than any other pres- recent president. Yeah, and it's really a kind of stark contrast to a lot of the rest of the federal government, State Department, other uh, agencies <laughs> where right. they haven't put forward anyone, right? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. for the judicial side of things, they really, this process, they've been putting people forward uh, you know, systematically throughout the year. So they made a priority of this, and of course, these are people, most of them are young, most of them are white males who are going to be there. Yeah, lifetime appointments. Lifetime appointments, yeah. mm-hmm. right. Boy, that's pretty scary. Mm. Twelve of them, twelve of them um, uh, so far. Uh, there was, uh, for the last week or so, almost everybody who's come in who covers a Hill, uh, journalists, have told us that there's reports that the Washington Post was working on a bombshell story mm-hmm. uh, about th- th- the money paid out to settle sexual harassment claims mm-hmm. uh, against members of Congress that had hitherto not been reported on. Uh, well, it's out this morning, right? $174,000 uh, from a U.S. Treasury fund from 2008 to 2012. Um, I don't know that I expected it to be more money, more money. than one hundred seventy-four thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah, uh, which means that these victims didn't get very much, I guess. Uh, the names haven't been released, though, have they? Yeah, I haven't seen any yet. No, not yet. No, not yet. It's coming. One of them I know was part of this was the Eric Massa case up in New York State, who was a Democratic congressman who did resign when. Uh, this was years, years ago. Years ago, yeah. right. Uh, and he was accused of harassing some young male staffers. Um, he had tickle parties with his male staffers. That was the big thing. I mean, he would, he would, t- he would tickle his male staffers, and it was a very weird story. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't want to go there. Sorry, <laughs> uh, but and I, today's show's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Uh, but the the question is: Is this an on? Do you know? Is this an ongoing investigation, uh, and are we going to see more names and perhaps more people fall? Uh, you know, of course, you know, on Capitol Hill, there's kind of a flutter of people wondering, you know, of who's next to fall. Uh, and I think that even uh, now it's affecting some lawmakers, you know, how they're interacting with staff and just gets, everyone is more kind of prescient uh, to what's going on and trying to be more aware of what's going on. Um, I don't know of any in particular that are about to be, you know, revealed. Uh, but you would expect that at some point uh, there'd be something else to another shoe to drop in this kind of broader uh, focus on sexual harassment and trying to, you know, empower victims to come forward. Well, meanwhile, and every time we've talked to and we've heard from Senator Kirsten Gillibrand and and Congresswoman Jackie Speier, uh, what they're saying is, yeah, right, these people who are guilty should get out; they don't belong there. But most importantly. We've got to redo the process mm-hmm. so that women or men who have been victims of sexual harassment have a place to go, know where they can go, get some speedy action, 
uh, and and that it be transparent, we know what's happening, and also that it be fair to give people who are accused also a chance to defend themselves. I guess that's a long, long way of asking, is there any progress at all with any legislation to fix what right now is a big, dark, secret process? Yeah. Well, I think we saw Ryan come out and say that the House is going to require sexual harassment training. But as far as the legislation that would actually get to the yeah. root of some of this. Uh, well, the sexual yeah. harassment training is one thing, which is yeah. good. They should they should have done that a long time ago, sure. like most corporations have done a long time ago. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I think you're going to still see this push and, you know, until it actually happens. Uh, Gillibrand, others in the House who have been pushing for this are going to keep going for it. Uh, I think it's put a spotlight on, you know, the Office of Compliance, this little known office on the Hill that a yeah. lot of these uh, complaints are they go through and just the kind of laborious process of that uh, and how uh, few kind of rights uh, alleged accusers have in that kind of instance and uh, their options are very limited in that uh, situation it seems. All right. Well, there's got a, there's another big vote today um, and uh, maybe this time they'll get it right. Uh, who knows? <laughs> it would be really embarrassing if they screwed up again. <laughs> Jesse Byrne, thanks so much for coming in. We always tell you folks uh, what a great resource The Hill is. So check it out at thehill.com. And on Tuesdays, you can actually catch up with my column on The Hill. Uh, Take a quick break. Back with Congressman David Cicilline from Rhode Island. Bill Press Show. Hey, everybody. This is Bill Press. Thanks for listening to the Bill Press and Friends podcast. And now do yourself a favor. If you haven't already done so, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Here's what you do. Just search for the Bill Press Show. Then you can take us with you and listen in anywhere you go. And you'll get new shows from us as soon as they're posted. And one more thing. If you really enjoy Bill Press and Friends, please help us grow by telling a friend, writing a review, and giving us a rating on iTunes. It's so great to have you on board. Many thanks. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show. Live at YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Hey, do you want to pay more in taxes? Well, you are about to. If this tax cut bill passes, which looks like it is, it's going to be a tax hike for you, a tax break for the wealthiest of Americans and the big corporations, of course. Hello, everybody. Great to see you on a Wednesday, Wednesday, December 20. It is the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. With all the news of the day, scrambling uh, Republicans after screwing it up yesterday to get that tax cut bill on the president's desk, maybe later today, and then they've got to deal with, uh, are we going to keep the government uh, running and the lights on for the holiday season? Uh, that, in the latest CNN poll showing that Donald Trump has the lowest approval rating, 35% of any president since they have started taking polls, which I think was around the time of Thomas Jefferson. Uh, <laughs> at any rate, with all the news of the day, it's good to see you today. Thank you for joining us, and we're so pleased to welcome to the studio a good friend representing the people of Rhode Island in the United States uh, Congress, Congressman David Cicilline, former mayor of Providence, Rhode Island. Good morning. Mr. Great Congressman, to be with you. It's good to see you. Thanks, Thanks so much for Thanks joining for us. Me. And remember, folks, we always want to hear from you what you think about the uh, uh, news of the day. So send us your comments on Twitter. Donald Trump's not the only one who can use Twitter. Uh, you are welcome to as well. Send us your comments on Twitter at BP Show. 
We'll jump right into the latest uh, from Capitol Hill with Congressman Cicilline. But first, Peter with the this big stories. The full of the court press. Yes, indeed. Just come over the stories making news. Well, breaking news Fox News makes up stories and conspiracy theories on its air. That really shouldn't be breaking news. Oh, but yeah, yesterday. A uh, guest uh, on Fox News with the name of Kevin Jackson floated a, what, maybe the biggest conspiracy theory we've heard Fox News float yet. Well, I think they're going to say, is it, what was his intent? And his intent, regardless of whether it was an assassination attempt or whatever, was whoa. definitely something. Whoa, whoa. Well, and I'm whoa. just saying, you don't, we don't know what it was. We don't, when you say we've got to make sure that this guy, you know, doesn't get in at all costs, what does that mean? This? All right, because I know how things get clipped on, on <laughs> social media, I just want to make sure that we press in on the fact that no one has floated any sort of an idea that Oh, it's been floated. It's, when I talk about this, I'm talking about social media stuff and, you know, that's uh, out okay. there. I'm not talking about media stuff. Nothing sources. credible. Well, I mean, yeah. Okay, so I think the big. So just to be clear, he's talking about the FBI. He's, he's talking about, about the FBI agent who FBI agent texted to his girlfriend. Yeah, yeah. Saying that they were plans to assassinate Trump. The, no, not exactly. Not yeah. exactly. It's been so, circulated. Yeah, it's, it's been, been floated. Yeah, it's been floated. Many people are saying. <laughs> By the way, this is a trick that Donald Trump uses yeah, all the time. Many people are saying. Mm-hmm, right. Many people are saying. By the way, my people are upset. If you're in if you're if you're in San Bernardino, California, look out for the second time in five Been there weeks. Many times for yes. the second time in five weeks, someone in San Bernardino, their house was hit by falling ice. Oh, you don't think of San Bernardino as having a lot no, of falling no, no, no. ice? Out of planes. It came from an airplane. Yeah, it came from yeah. an airplane. This woman by the name of Claudel Curry says that she was watching TV around nine thirty p.m. earlier this week. The entire House shook. They weren't sure what happening. They ran around the house, finally went back to the bedroom, found a giant hole in the ceiling, found insulation all over the floor, and a giant chunk of ice on the floor. It came from an airplane. Uh, yeah, I haven't heard about this for a long time, but it used to happen pretty often. Well, if that's a flight path to either LAX or. Um the Inland Empire Empire, forget what it is. San Bernardino, basically. It's important to point out that they, they saw white ice, not the blue ice. I was going to say, that's from, the real nightmare. Oh. That's what you really don't want in your house, is if yeah. the blue ice falls, well, you're you're really screwed. But yeah, like this is the second time in like a month that this has happened in the same area. Look out. It could have been those UFOs, too, remember? Could have been the UFOs. Oh, yes. Could have been the UFOs. We'll send the Pentagon out to investigate that as part of their, what was it, 20, $24 million, 24... Yeah, a million dollars a year they're spending on the UFOs. Harry Reid's pet project. That's right. (laughs) On your radio, on TV, and online, this is The Bill Press Show. Yeah, Republicans are saying, remember the day we passed this tax cut bill. I hope, and you, oh, they, let me put it this way, they can all count on the fact that we will remember this day and the American people will remember this day. 55% of Americans today actually oppose this tax cut bill. So damn right, we'll remember it. It is Wednesday, December 20. Nice to see you today. Thanks for joining us. We're joining you uh, coast to coast online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. 
on uh, television, looking at you on Free Speech TV, part of the DirecTV network, of course, and joining you out in the greater Chicago area on the Progressive Voice of Chicago, WCPT, in studio with us uh, from the great state of Rhode Island, Congressman David Cicilline. Congressman, good to see you. Thanks for coming in. Happy holidays. Same to you. So here they are. They control the House and the Senate and the White House. They lock Democrats out of the process. They go to pass their big tax cut bill yesterday, and even with all of that power, they still couldn't get it right. Yeah, I mean, it's a perfect example of why it's very dangerous to jam through a bill uh, without hearings, without witnesses. You know, one of the things that you hope is that, you know, when you have a hearing and you bring in witnesses who provide their expertise and tell you here are the good things about the bill, here are the bad things, you can improve it. Uh, They didn't do that. Last time we did tax reform, there were 400 witnesses that testified over the course of almost two years. Very complicated legislation to to, to reform the tax code. That's how you're supposed to do it in a kind of thoughtful, (laughs) deliberate way. There were no hearings, no witnesses. The bill was drafted and brought right to the floor. In fact, in the Senate, there were even handwritten notes in the side. And, uh, you know, apparently the lobbyists and the special interests knew about some of the provisions before the senators did. This is not a way to craft good legislation that advances the interests of the Wait, this isn't how it always happens? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I mean, so, you know, I I think that the... that's one of the reasons that they sort of made that blunder. But but the real heart and soul of this is, look, this is not a tax cut for middle-class families. This is a tax cut for the richest people in this country, the most powerful corporations. 83% of working families will see an increase in their taxes over the term of this bill. Uh, 86% of the tax cuts go to the top 1%. So like this is not – this is – this is trickle-down economics in a in statutory form. It's really about let people at the very top hold on to all of their money, and it will trickle down to the rest of it, and they're going to give it away to their employees and give it away to create jobs. There's no evidence to support that. In fact, all the evidence is to the contrary. But, you know, some of my House Republican colleagues actually said it out loud. They said, if we don't pass the tax cut for our donors, they told us don't bother calling them. Yeah. They actually yeah. said it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I no. mean, it's uh. so that, that you know— and look, we need to reform the tax code. It's too complicated. It's not competitive. It's unfair. But we ought to have started with a bipartisan effort to do it in a collaborative way. And the focus should have been a tax cut for middle class families, hardworking people that haven't seen a pay raise in decades. That's where the focus should be. That's not what this bill does at all. And the last time there was tax reform, it took, as you pointed out, a couple of years, Democrats and Republicans working together, endless hearings That's right. and witnesses and everything. And this is just you know, yeah. crafted in the middle of the night on the back of an envelope. Right. Basically. As my w- wonderful colleague Jamie Raskin said, it, it's be- it was crafted at the speed of light in the dark of night. You know, and it's really <laughs> true. Like, jam this thing through because, of course, the more the American people learn about it, the less they like it. They understand that the Republican Party is is providing a huge tax cut to the biggest corporations in this country, to the wealthiest people in this country, and that it's not going to benefit hardworking middle-class families. But folks know that. They, you know, they think, oh, because the bill provides a you know, very small little amount of money in the early for, years. For a couple of years. That you yeah. know, somehow you're going to fool the American people. You know, people are smarter than that. They understand that over the term of this bill, they're going to have their taxes increased. They understand that... A one and a half trillion dollar debt means there are going to be devastating cuts to Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, Pell Grants, infrastructure investments, job training, veteran spending. You know, this is a a real wonderful trick. You know, you give away a trillion and a half dollars that the government doesn't have. You don't pay for it. And then you come back next year and say, 
We have no money. Mm-hmm. We, of course, we have to end the guarantee of Medicare and cut Social Security. And, and of course, we won't have any money. They all have achieved that. But this is terrible. Democrats have to be committed uh, when we go back into the majority to reversing this horrible tax. Right. Um, we felt one of the um, um, uh, most memorable quotes yesterday, as bites yesterday, was from uh, Senator Arne Hatch, who's sort of was one of the chief architects in the Senate, of course, as chair of the Senate Finance Committee, uh, saying, this day, you know, a day that will live in history. The Democrats have said that the American, will, American people will remember this night. I hope they do, because we've passed one of the most important tax breaks in this country's history. I, I hope they do, too. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to make sure they never forget what the Republicans did. Uh, yeah. In fact, when yesterday when they passed the bill in the House and they, they broke out in thunderous applause and there was a, a gentleman protesting in the gallery saying, protect my health care, protect my Medicare, and they dragged him out and they were cheering and I thought... Yeah, I, you know we should make sure there's film of this. Like you just imposed a tremendous cost on working families. You gave a huge giveaway, a tax giveaway to people who don't need it in this country who have seen tremendous growth in their wealth, and you've virtually guaranteed deep cuts in many of the investments that are essential to middle class families, from Medicare and Social Security and Pell grants and job training, and you're cheering, and you're cheering, and sort of who are you cheering for? You know, they kept referring to it. We need some points on the board, mm-hmm. as if this was a sporting yeah. game. It's like, what about some points on the board for the American people? What about taking some action that will actually benefit hardworking families that are struggling, that have not seen their income go up, that are working two and three jobs just to get by, and then are going to see their taxes go up in this bill. It, it, it was really awful. Right. So now they go into 2018, right? As you point out, they're very clear what they did this. They did this because they were told their donors were going to dry up if they didn't give them a tax break, right? So uh, and that, and plus they feel they can't end the year without being able to appoint to at least one piece of legislation that they passed. Yeah. So maybe some of them holding their nose, but anyhow, they're going to vote for this. Donald Trump's going to sign it. They go into 2018, they're going to have to sell this thing to the American people, can they? Well, I mean, I think what they've made, the calculation they've made is the Republican Party is funded now by a number, a small group of families that really fund through these super PACs, their right. entire campaign apparatus. The Mercers, Right, they the don't Cokes. have, the, like the Democrats, lots of small donors. They, they re- yeah. really rely principally on these these big family donors. And so I think they've made a calculation. We have to tech, you know, cut taxes for that group of donors you know, that spend disproportionately in the elections. Real money, hundreds, you know, millions upon millions of dollars. And so they're making a calculation that with enough money, they can make the case to the American people. The, you know, the facts are the facts. They, 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 is, you could have a zillion dollars and never be able to sell the benefits of this to, to the American people because the independent analysis of, these, uh, of this tax bill demonstrates that it doesn't benefit working people, that it gives these huge tax cuts to people at the top in there, and it further incentivizes American companies shipping jobs overseas. In fact, the, the corporate tax break, I predict, is going to result in an acceleration of automation and actually mm. a job loss. You know, you don't, this idea that you're going to give corporations money, what's one of the first things many of them will do with it? They'll modernize and automate their operations. So it's going to produce, not produce job growth. It's actually going to accelerate already this phenomenon of, of automation that is making it less likely they're going to create jobs. So I think people are going to see very quickly the results of this. And of course, we're going to make the case that they 
really betrayed the American people, the working people of this country, the middle class, in order to benefit their donors, and it, I'm certain it will put us back in the majority next uh, year. Once they get the tax bill behind them, Congressman, this, this is Wednesday. The government runs out of money on Friday. Uh, didn't leave a lot of time to resolve that issue. Uh, what are the chances um, there's going to be a government shutdown? Um, I think, look, we certainly, the Democrats certainly think it's important that the government remain open and functioning. And, the you know, we've sent to the uh, speaker and to the president a list of important priorities important to us, but actually priorities that are important to the country that really have to be done as part of a final spending bill. And we didn't put it, you know, it wasn't a liberal, An you know, democratic huh? love list, you know, yeah. a list of everything we want. It was everything on that list is bipartisan. It's making sure there's parity between defense and non-defense spending. It's opioid funding to deal with this mm-hmm. opioid crisis. It's properly funding the VA to take care of our veterans. It's taking care of the dreamers. So it was a really a bill where there's bipartisan support. We said, include these things in the continuing resolution, and Democrats will support uh, the continuing resolution. If they decide to not include Democrats, they obviously have the votes to keep the government open. They're the majority. They can do everything without us. I think that's not the way to do it, but we'll see whether or not they have that. But they've expressed... Do no- they have the votes on their own? Because the uh, the Freedom Caucus has not necessarily always played along. Yeah, I mean, I think there's that's an open question. I mean, when you see the members of the Freedom Caucus who were the, you know, traditionally the strongest deficit hawkers, said yeah. we can't spend money for Meals on Wheels, we can't, we have to cut, you know, food stamps, we don't have enough money, and yet they just voted for a $1.5 trillion deficit to add to the right. deficit in this yeah. tax bill. It's hard to have a lot of confidence they're going to be true to their principles, but uh, I, I don't know whether they have the votes. They haven't expressed any intention of sort of working on that set of priorities that Democrats put forth. So uh, we'll see. It looks less and less likely that DACA will be, the Dreamers will be part of the continuing resolution. So not resolved before the end of the year. Would you agree? Yeah. I mean, I think there are... Sadly. Sadly, there's growing Republican (laughs) support. I think there are, you know, 30 or 40 Republicans who have expressed intention to vote for or support, support DACA. Um, they haven't been willing to sign a discharge petition or really do anything other than kind of express their support. It's a shame that this has not been done already. This, these are some of the most extraordinary young people that came to this country as infants. Many of them came when their parents came, did nothing wrong other than go to school, work hard, serve in the military. Yeah, yeah. They're pre-screened. They can't have criminal, you know, any kind right, of conviction right. by by definition. So you have this like crop of really wonderful young people that are doing extraordinary things. Everyone agrees that America is the only country they've ever known. They're citizens of this country every much as every bit as much as I am other than a piece of paper. I mean, it's really criminal that these that they face the prospect of being torn away from their families and sent back to countries they don't even know, sometimes not even speaking the language because they, they've oh, right, spent their whole right, lives here. Right. And what they add to the economy is just extraordinary, and it ought to be a bipartisan issue, but so far we have been unable to get the Republicans to, to move forward on the DREAM Act or to find a permanent solution. And, of course, the president said, you know, revoked the program and then gave Congress the time to respond to it. So, you know, for those families and those kids, I, I've talked to so many DREAMers it's causing such anxiety and heartache in their family, like real fear about, you know, am I going to be here next month? Oh, yeah. Should I, should I pay my tuition for the next semester? Because I'm not sure I can go to school. You know, medical students that, that are worried, can they finish their residencies? I mean, it is horrible what's happening to these young people, and there's no excuse for it. And, you know, overwhelmingly, the American people support the dreamers. Republicans, Democrats, independents, why our Republican colleagues can't find 
the courage to do something that's so good for our country is sort of surprising. So if it's not part of the continuing resolution by Friday, then it's still the deadline is March, March. isn't it? But the truth is, you know, people's authorizations are running up every day or expiring. So it's causing real heartache. It's it's not fair to just wait. And and new people can't, as I understand, can't get into the program because that's that's temporarily shut down as well. Speaking about popular programs, this is one I know um, you care particularly strongly about and and have been fighting for is the Children's Health Insurance Program or CHIP, which. that's going that money's going to run out for many states well, I mean, too and this is a bipartisan has has been a bipartisan program what's the story here yeah i mean you're right this is a this is a program that covers 9 million children 36,000 in my home state of Rhode Island this has always been a bipartisan issue you know even if you can't agree on anything everyone you would think agrees look when it comes to children Children should be taken care of and have, have access to quality, affordable health care. This is like... You shouldn't have I mean, to it, argue it shouldn't, that, right? You shouldn't have no. to give something. But, but I'll this tell was you, an outrage a couple of years ago when this happened. Right. I mean, people got legitimately outraged. I don't. And I mean, look, there are a lot of things to get outraged about these days. So I understand why, like, you know, it's not the biggest story out there. But it, it really should be. This is a tragedy. Oh, well, I mean, it's like, you know, we talk about our most important responsibility is the well-being of the children of our country. And this is just unforgivable. And the the worst part about the, the CHIP debate is, you know, we've said reauthorize CHIP, do a clean reauthorization, be done with it, which has been the way it's been done in the past. What the Republicans have said is, well, we authorize CHIP, at least in the House, well, we authorize CHIP, but in order to pay for it, we want to cut the prevention fund. We're going to use money from the prevention fund, which provides immunizations, vaccines, lead poisoning prevention. So oh, yeah. think about this for a minute. No. We have to make the children pay for the health insurance by cutting the prevention fund, but we can give a trillion and a half dollar tax cut to the richest people and the biggest corporations in this country, and you don't have to pay for it. Right. I mean, the immorality of that is stunning, but that's where we are. Yeah. And it's like you have to make the kids sicker before <laughs> right. you're willing to, to pay. To give them insurance. Before you're willing to give them insurance. And by the way, right. prevention, you know, immunizations, vaccines, lead poisoning prevention are the wisest investments in terms of what you spend and what you're getting back and the cost avoidance when you don't have children who are lead poisoned or who don't get some terrible disease because they haven't had a vaccine or an immunization. So even if you didn't care about the kids strictly on the money, it's a very sensible investment. But the reality is you're going to take away those investments in order to fund their insurance, and you're going to allow a trillion and a half dollars in tax cuts to go to people without being paid for Who, at all. Uh, what families qualify for for CHIP? All families, or is it... Um, uh, it, it uh, it's an income eligibility, and yeah. each state sets it. But what's really important is about 85% of the families who have a child who has insurance through CHIP are working families. So it's people who have at least one parent working. Mm -hmm. So this idea of like, this is the working poor. These are people who are working two and three jobs, but they're still not making enough for their kids to have health insurance. And so if we can't support those families and support ensuring those children have health insurance, I'm not sure what's what's the point of having a federal government. No. Uh, Again, you would think this would be a non-debatable, right? Just automatic. And it was for for since the beginning of the program. It's only recently that it's both become partisan and the Republicans have demanded something in exchange for our demand to cover children. I mean, it's... Yeah, there's so many issues. It must be hard in your job to keep up with all of them. But I know another one that didn't get as much attention as I thought it should is the issue of net neutrality. Uh, You've been out front on that one uh, as well. 
I mean, time after time, it seems the Trump administration is doing things that really hurt middle class Americans and hurt the Trump base. Yeah. I mean, and that's maybe they're too dumb to realize it. But I mean, that's this... what's amazing is the, these are the actions he's taking, whether it's to repeal the Affordable Care Act, whether it's to not reauthorize TRIP, whether it's to give a tax cut to the richest people in this country and have middle class families pay for it. You're right. It's a common theme. It's it's basically hurting the people who need the most help in this country and who helped elect Donald Trump as our president. Net neutrality is the most recent example. And you're right. Every day things are happening. So I think in a lot of ways it's hard for people to organize and sort of just remember everything because it's coming at them so fast. But net neutrality was the the, the was preserved during the Obama administration and really existed before the Obama administration. But it was the idea that the Internet should remain open and free and that when you use the Internet, you understood you had access to the entire lawful inter- Internet. And you as the consumer were deciding what you what you wanted to what mm-hmm. website you wanted to see, what information you wanted to collect, but that it was it was done in a fair way. And, and it was all free and open to you. That's really the heart and soul of the Internet. When you repeal net neutrality and you allow Internet service providers to do things called throttling, blocking, prioritizing, you're allowing the Internet service providers to decide what information you get. Maybe it's going to slow down stuff that it's competing with and speed up the stuff that they want you to buy or access. Maybe it's going to block entirely websites that it doesn't want you to have access, even though they're part of the lawful Internet. And the the real difficulty is you're not going to know about any of this. Mm -hmm. They can engage in these practices, and you're never going to know it, so the consumer is going to think, oh, I'm still getting to use the Internet, but your experience will have changed completely. It's really the end of the open, free Internet as we've known it. It's a terrible decision. Who does it benefit? These big, you know, huge corporations that are going to attempt to uh, charge more for this, allow you to buy this service or pay this fee. And so it's, you know, they've all been saying, oh, in the first month or so, you're not going to see any difference. Of course yeah, not. They're going to be on right. their best behavior yeah, yeah, until people yeah. sort of forget about this. And then you're going to see a dramatic change in the Internet. It's terrible. Uh, we've introduced or we, we've drafted a, a bill that I'm a co-sponsor of to reverse that decision uh, and restore uh, in, uh, net neutrality. It's really important because it's sort of democratized information and the way people could access the marketplace. And it allowed entrepreneurs to do small startups and really access a big market. So it's going to have consequences for jobs, for the way people get information, and for kind of uh, the sort of fairness that have always been a part of the internet is going to be really undermined. So this is very bad. Another example where you know, they spent apparently $500 million lobbying for the reversal. So there's a lot of money at stake here. They didn't do that just because philosophically they were objecting to it. There's money to be made when you get rid of net neutrality. You know, it's frustrating, too, because, um, I mean, consumers, environmentalists experience this all the time. You fight like hell and you lose some battles, but then you finally win one. And then you think you've won. And within six months or a year, they take it away from you again. Like this net neutrality was a big battle for a long yeah. time, and we won it. Yeah. last. It was just last yeah. year, wasn't it, yeah. I think? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it took me a long time to understand what it was really all about. Right. Once you get into it, you see clearly this is the right. anti-consumer right. kind of move. Nobody is really against net neutrality other than companies who are going to benefit. Yeah. Like right. I've never yeah. heard right. a consumer right. say, oh, no, I'm against net neutrality. I mean, it doesn't, doesn't make sense, but you're right. I mean, the only good news I would say is you're right. These battles feel like under the Trump administration – they are systematically reversing the progress we've made on a number of issues. The good news is we won in New Jersey, we won yeah, in Virginia, yeah. we won in Alabama, and the, the day of reckoning is coming. The American people have had it, and I think you're going to see voter participation 
at record levels next year, and you know we're going to go back in and fix all this. Do you believe in the blue wave? I do. I do. I think there, you know, the, the 2018 election will be the first time the American people get to make a statement about what they think of this administration and the direction they're taking our country. I think all indications are that they're going to come out in record numbers, demand change, and restore America's you know standing in the world, both as a leader in the international community, as a country that creates opportunity for everyone, that has an economy that works for everyone, that takes care of our most vulnerable, the things that have made this country really great. And I think uh, we're seeing strong signs that, that that's going to happen next year. And we're going to have to work hard and be sure that the American people, particularly working families, understand what we're fighting for, what we're committed to doing if we're given the responsibility of leadership again. And you mentioned uh, uh, New Jersey, Alabama, Virginia, Alabama. Uh, there was another win yesterday. We talked about it a little earlier with the House of Delegates in Virginia, which is now 50-50, uh, thanks to a recount <laughs> where right. the Democrat ended up winning by one vote. Right. But that means that the House of Representatives went from 66-34 to now 50-50. Yeah. Well, and you look at some of those districts, deeply red districts, deeply red. But, you know, I think what those Democratic candidates talked a lot about in those races was the importance of raising people's incomes, reducing the costs in people's lives that people are struggling with, and making sure folks have the skills they need to access good paying jobs. And I think, you know, we always, that's what the Democratic Party stood for, and that has always been the kind of heart and soul of our party. And the idea that Somehow Donald Trump made that case more persuasively than Democrats is still a mystery to me. But I think we've learned the lesson of like it isn't enough just to do the work and be fighting for the legislation that advances those priorities. But you really need to talk about it and articulate and make, you know, sort of make sure people understand what you're fighting for, what you stand for. And I think we're seeing really strong evidence that. It won't be hard to remind people, actually, that's what the Democratic Party has always stood for. That's what we do, in fact, fight for. And, of course, the Republican Party has given us the best evidence that that's not what they stand for. And I think President Trump has been the best organizer for Democrats that we could possibly have in terms of activating people to get out and vote. So, you know, we can't take it for granted. We have a lot of work yeah. to do, but I think we're in a good position. So for who year. carries that message uh, to the country for Democrats in 2020? Well, I mean, I think you're you're going to see you <laughs> are already seeing great Members of the House and great members of the Senate doing it. Have you backed a horse yet? I haven't. I think it's early. I think, you know, (laughs) it is early. There will be a lot of great Democratic candidates. I think, you know, the fact that people see this president as so vulnerable and so ineffective and so damaged uh, that you're going to see an outpouring of really good Democratic candidates. And I have no doubt that we're going to have too many. Um, <laughs> I think we're going to end up with a situation where we've got the multiple debate Absolutely. levels of like, yeah. Republicans Right, last like year. 20 yeah. candidates. But that's great. I mean, it will give people an opportunity to see the great talent of, of the Democrats around the country. And um, I think it's going to be very exciting. You know, one thing, about, uh, with all due respect, that some people are saying, you know, that, that, that both parties do better when they have somebody not from Washington running. Yeah. So looking at governors, tell us about your governor. Yeah, no, I have a ter- we have a terrific governor in Rhode Island, Governor Raimondo, who's doing uh, she's, she's some made really... A, she's made a mark. She's so really far, doing some she's, terrific yeah. work, you know, turned around uh, the economy in Rhode Island, bringing lots of new business investment to our state, uh, investing in education, infrastructure. Uh, she did pension reform, which was very controversial in Rhode Island. Um, so she's, she's gotten a lot done. I think she's... Uh, 
you know, she's one of only, I think, two women governors and Democratic governors in the country. But she's done a lot of great work. Uh, I think John Hickenlooper is a terrific governor mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Colorado. I served with him as mayor. He's done a great job. Uh, you know, so I think you're right. I think there, there will, it will be a time for a lot of people maybe who haven't been in Washington. You know that old saying? Yeah. What does the United States Senator see when he looks, he or she looks in the mirror <laughs> yeah, in the morning? Yeah. yeah a right. president. You know, they all sort of. So I think you're right that. This idea of someone who's from the outside, particularly someone with executive experience after we've seen no, right, the consequences of the lack of experience from this president and what, how we're all suffering because of that, I think it's a particularly good time for, 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 may- for mayors and governors. Uh, and, you know, by that time, uh, Jerry Brown will be out of a job in California. And, right. uh, <laughs> Million dollar man. He keeps going. <laughs> he does. Absolutely. I, I remember f- when he came to Rhode Island as a presidential candidate. I was probably like 13 or something. And <laughs> no, no, wait. I ran that campaign in Rhode right? Island. Yes, I did. <laughs> you went to Lido Beach. You might not remember. I, I you did go to, to Lido Beach, Beach yeah. yeah. And Joey Paolino yeah. and Mark Weiner. Weiner were the only two people in the in the Brown campaign when we arrived. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's you were. <laughs> I was there. He was there in '76 and won. Yes. won Rhode Island. Yeah, yeah. So uh, don't count him out. No, you know? absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Hey, Congressman. Busy days, so it's nice yeah. of you to take time My to come to see us. To see you. Have a Merry happy Christmas, holiday. happy holidays. Thank right. You. We'll see you early in 2018. Uh, thank you. Quick break. Uh, Addy Baird from Think Progress uh, joining us next year on the uh, the Bill Press Show. Uh, does the president believe in the existence of UFOs, and would he be interested in restoring funding for that program? Somehow that question hasn't come up in our back and forth over the last couple days, but I will uh, check into that and be happy to circle back. Jennifer. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. Same great show, new great channel. Stream live video at youtube.com slash the Bill Press Show. Yes, here we are on this Wednesday, December 20, uh, coming to you live from Washington, D.C. It is the Bill Press Show. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for being part of the program. Remember, we always love hearing your comments, getting your comments on Twitter at BP Show. And we are brought to you today by the International Association of Firefighters. Yes. The good men and women of our firefighting departments all across the land, we all depend on them. They never let us down on the front lines protecting American families every day under the leadership of President Harold Schaitberger. Uh, thank a fireman today, and we thank them all for their support of the program. You can check out their website at iaff.org. Joining us in studio to wrap up today's coverage of the the headlines of the day, Addy Baird is a political reporter over at Think Progress at thinkprogress.org, isn't it? Or it's com? A dot org. It is dot org. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, nice to see you. It's good to be here. Thanks so much. Uh, gosh, where do we start? I don't uh, even know. Uh, yeah, I know. Neither do I. <laughs> Uh, I want to start with uh, something we haven't talked about yet, and that is we know there's the Robert Mueller investigation uh, looking at possible collusion between uh, members of the Trump team and Russia, uh, Russian officials. Now we hear that the Senate Intelligence Committee, which has been looking at uh, also the Russian connection, is expanding to look at two other campaigns, 
the Hillary Clinton campaign and possible collusion and Jill Stein's campaign and I didn't see that one coming. I didn't either. I... But I saw this picture in the paper or somewhere this morning of Jill Stein at a table, a dinner in Moscow at the same table with Vladimir Putin. And Mike Flynn. Yeah. And Mike he's, Flynn. He's at yes. the table too. <laughs> it is the weirdest picture ever. She's at this dinner. What the it's hell in 2015. She doing there? So she says that she went to Russia to give her most important campaign message to Vladimir Putin, um, which she wanted to talk to him about overspending. What was she running for then? Already for president? Yes. Yeah, she's okay. sort of always running for president. Mm. Um, she wanted to go and talk to Vladimir Putin about overspending in the Middle East. Um, but she says that there was not a translator at the table. So she sat at this table and was never able to speak to Vladimir Putin. And for months and months... Well, how was Michael Flynn able to speak to him? I There are so many questions. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay. uh, but we also didn't know for a long time who paid for her trip or, you know, like who paid for the accommodations when she was there. And she says now that she paid for this trip. But the picture is just super weird. Um, And she this is this this is surprising. But she has been sympathetic to Putin and his policies, um, you know, publicly for many years. Uh, A colleague of mine, Casey Michael, has written about this extensively. But. It is a weird twist all of a sudden to have Jill Why Stein thrown in the mix. Why would the Green Party be buddy-buddy with Putin? On what issue? There isn't... Um, He's hardly an environmentalist. Right, exactly. There, there isn't, um, you know, a lot of overlap instinctively, but they're both hostile to traditional American foreign policy, basically, and that's sort of where the overlap has, has come with Jill Stein and Putin. Um but the thing with this, with with the expansion of this Senate investigation to look at Jill Stein is that I suspect it is in part to slow down the investigation. Um, you know, it, it's it's Republicans investigating their own president. And it seems to me that when they can look at the rest of the, you know, the rest of the presidential campaign and anyone else who might have, you know, wanted Hillary to lose, um, and, and and whether or not they colluded with the Kremlin is a way of slowing down this investigation into Trump, basically. It's also, it seems to me, a way of equalizing in the sense that they're, they maybe Burr or some of them are thinking they could report everybody was exactly. doing it. So right. and then, Hillary and then was talking to totally. some Russians. Jill Stein was talking to a different group of Russians and Donald Trump's people. We're talking to a different group of Russians. Right. So, so even if no they conclude, deal. exactly. So even if they conclude, you know, the Trump campaign concluded with Russia, co- colluded with Russia, um, they can say, well, so did everyone else. So yeah. it's totally yeah. fine. Right. If your no collusion. <laughs> We've heard many times from the president. <laughs> yeah. No, we're no going to go from no collusion to everyone colludes. It's fine. <laughs> God. Uh, so uh, isn't it nice now that after the uh, House finally uh, does its uh, remake redo today and gets the tax bill straight, um, everybody gets a mulligan these days, I guess, <laughs> um, and then Donald Trump signs a bill that we're all going to be able to uh, prepare our taxes uh, and file on a postcard. Exactly. It's super exciting. Everything's mm-hmm. going to be really easy. Yeah. 
It's going to be so simple. Just it's kidding. Be just two lines, <laughs> two lines on a postcard, right? Yeah, it's super not. Um, <laughs> this is something that Paul Ryan, in particular, has promised for so long. They're obsessed with this. I think Ted Cruz was also, you know, running with this during the campaign. They're obsessed with this, with the idea of being able to file your taxes on a postcard and having it be really, for really For years easy. they've been talking about this. Exactly. They gonna, love yeah. this idea. And first of all, it was never going to happen. Like even like you there, it was never it was never going to happen. The thing that is important to note, though, is not only does this you know tax bill that that Trump is going to sign into law today, um, or says he's going to sign into law today, we'll see what happens. Uh, not only is it not postcard sized, but it is it complicates the tax code. Mm-hmm. It complicates the existing tax code. Right, um, makes it more complicated, not yep, less. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Adds pages and pages and pages. To exactly. It. I had a um, there was a report that came out. I, I think on Monday, of a bunch of tax attorneys and and uh, experts, you know, put together and basically looked at the ways that the conference committee bill, this final version of the bill, has been complicated um, compared to the existing tax code. And one of them said to me, "This is." the greatest thing that has ever happened to the billable hours of, of tax attorneys in modern America. Oh, yeah. Sorry. It's a full employment job, isn't yep. it, for tax attorneys? Yep. Yeah. And this is going to be, you know, there are going to be... <sighs> so when they say Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, mm. what they really mean is <laughs> yeah, the Tax jobs. Cuts and Jobs for Tax jobs Attorneys. Jobs for Tax Attorneys Act. of the ultra-wealthy. <laughs> yes. Right. Right. Exactly. Because exactly. yep. most people don't have their own tax attorney. Exactly. And this is just another way that this bill is a boon for the ultra wealthy and not for the people that that they have promised it was going to help. The people who can afford a tax attorney are people who have the luxury of affording someone who can use the loopholes and manipulate the tax code to help them save money. Um, And middle class families cannot afford that. No. Uh, you know, I, I, I keep hearing these stories about people who say, well, I need to, and I've heard, talked to some friends of mine, well, I have to call my tax attorney to see how this bill is going to affect me. <laughs> you know, the, if you're in the 1%, that's what you say, exactly. right? Exactly. If you're in the 99%. <laughs> you don't no. think I'm going to just call my tax attorney? <laughs> yeah, right, right, yeah. You have a tax attorney. <laughs> no. Exactly. Oh, so, oh. yeah, yeah. Uh, they made good on their promise to make jobs for tax attorneys. <laughs> right. So, um, Ms. McConnell yesterday said, uh, now is our challenge. We have passed this turkey. Uh, now we've got to go out and sell it to the American people. And if not, here's Ms. McConnell. We can't sell this to the American people. We ought to go into another line of work. <laughs> yeah. It's a good plan, my man. <laughs> 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 Paul Ryan can go back to work in the, at that McDonald's. Oh, yeah, Paul. yeah, he's got a backup plan. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Serve me my chips and salsa, Paul. Down in Janesville. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> the last time this got done, the job I had, I was working the Quarter Pounder Grill at McDonald's. <laughs> yes, Paul, I do want fries with that. <laughs> now, hurry up. <laughs> oh, boy. Hey, maybe then he'd be a little more sympathetic to uh, 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 living wage. <laughs> I don't care that the ice cream machine's broken. Get me a McFlurry. Get me a McFlurry, Paul. <laughs> Let me speak to your manager, Paul. Oh, boy. <laughs> that was at the peak of his career. Yeah, right? yeah, it's yeah. yeah. Down- he peaks. No, it's been downhill. Uh, totally. Downhill ever since. Well, I guess the question is, how soon before the American people... 
First of all, they start out, I've mentioned this a couple of times today, the, the, the latest CNN poll, uh, 55, what is it, 55%? 55% of people oppose this oppose bill. It. Just 33% are in favor. Yeah. yeah so they start yesterday. out with that, right? Yeah. 55 oppose. Yeah. Two-thirds say it's going to do more to help the wealthy than them. Two-thirds say it's going to help especially the Trump family. Yep. And four out of 10 say they'll be worse off under this, in terms of paying taxes, worse off under this bill than they are today yep. before the bill passes, yep. right? So, uh, uh, and those numbers are just, it seems to me, are just going to get worse the more people discover what this bill does to them. Exactly. I mean, I I am reminded of their attempts to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. Um, time and time again, they tried and failed. And I remember saying at the time, this is a mess for them. It's, it was a mess for them to fail over and over again at trying to repeal and replace the Affordable Care Act. It would have been so much worse for them if they had been able to do it. Because th- when that go- when that plan would have gone into effect, the way, the, the tangible ways that, that people's lives would be affected negatively were immeasurable. And the tax bill in many ways is a health care bill, um, but it is it, it reaches its tentacles to every facet of American life and in ways that I don't think we even fully understand mm-hmm, yet. Mm-hmm. I think that they feel I know that they feel this is a win for them. It's not going to get better. We know that trickle down economics do not work. We know banks have said corporations have said they are not going to use this tax cut to create jobs. They are not, they are going to uh, pay out their shareholders. Sure. They are going yeah. to pay out their Buy CEOs. Exactly. Yeah. <clears throat> this bill is not going to get more popular because it's not going to work. We all know that. Um, and, you know, if they can't sell this, they should go into a new line of work and they have already failed and there it is not going to get any better for them. Uh, yeah. And, and- <laughs> Pardon me. One of the things uh, they're going to have to sell too, as you point out, is not just giving all these tax breaks to the biggest corporations and to the wealthiest of yep. Americans, but taking health insurance away from 13 million Americans by, according to the Congressional Budget Office, by getting rid of the individual mandate. Right. So they do that in order to help pay the price of this tax cut for the wealthy. So you know, and I would imagine. That among those 13 million Americans mm-hmm. who are going to lose their health insurance, uh, some of them live in red states. <laughs> some of them voted for Donald Trump. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is one of those ways where I think Trump is turning his back on his base with this. Um, he ran a populist campaign. He promised tax cuts for the middle class. He promised that he would make sure the jobs stayed in the United States. This bill incentivizes outsourcing. It um, rewards, uh, you know, America, wealthy Americans with uh, international um, business dealings in the same ways that, you know, they've been rewarded in the past for moving their business out of the United States and exporting uh, labor outside of the United States. It is it is a lie. It is a lie. Everything that Trump has said, everything that that McConnell and, and Ryan have said about this helping the middle class it's a lie, and it's going to hurt Trump's base. Um, at the same time, I don't know if that matters. You know, people 
his his the, voters love him. But and the, they will forgive no, I, everything. I, I don't think there's anything you can do that will shake the exactly. base. Exactly. I'm not As sure, Donald I'm not Trump sure said, there is. He could yeah. walk out on Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody. He and absolutely they would still, could. They yeah. Would, yeah, absolutely. They would love him. Yeah. It's worth pointing out that, that um, there were 13, no, 12, sorry, 12 brave lawmakers, Republicans, who did vote against the bill uh, yesterday. And... Uh, some yeah. of them voted against it because they didn't feel that it went far enough. I know, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but these are. These but are they stood up to the House leadership sure. and voted right. against is, it, which is notable. Now, yeah, it is notable. If their vote were absolutely needed to pass it, some of them might have folded sure. as well. But sure. anyway, for the time being, they're on the record. I believe doing doing the right thing on that. Yeah. Um, on another, uh, t- totally, we're jumping around here. Uh, sure. I know, but um, there was a case of uh, a couple of undocumented. Teenagers, yeah, uh, out in they were in Arizona, I believe, weren't they? Being we held? actually don't know where they're being okay. held. Yeah. No, the ACLU has kept that private. And the Trump administration tried to prevent them from getting an abortion. Yeah, so this has been this is an ongoing story. There was um, a woman known as Jane Doe who was held in Texas. This all goes back to a rule that the Trump administration recently put in place, where um, an undocumented teenager who comes into the United States and is held um, by the administration, if they want an abortion, they have to get person like this this direct permission um, from from it's it's the director of um, the office of I don't it it's in this story and I yeah. should check. Um, but it's basically they have to get permission from someone within the Trump administration um, and they also need parental consent. Um, so what has happened is they're holding these women who want abortions um, and they, yeah, there it is, the uh, the Office, office of, of, of Refugee Resettlement. Yes. Yeah. So they come in and they're held by the Trump administration. And um, basically this results in, in the denial of their constitutional right to get an abortion. So Jane Doe was the first of these uh, these cases. She was basically taken to a crisis pregnancy center by the Trump administration, which is there, there are these insidious um, you know clinics that pose as abortion providers, but actually you know give women this this, False information about abortions, um, about, you know, the fetus and and fetal pain and junk science. And so she was actually taken to a crisis pregnancy center and not to an abortion clinic like she was supposed to be. Um, But there was a a prolonged court fight um, and eventually she was able to get an abortion most recently, there were two more cases similar to this, um, and they are called Jane Roe and Jane Poe. We don't know where they're being held. One of them is 10 weeks pregnant. One of them is 22 weeks pregnant, which is that's that's getting mm-hmm. very close. Um, mm-hmm. Any delay for her, she could could be too long. But a judge ruled in their favor, um, said that the uh, Trump administration had to take these women to get abortions, but that is all they have to do. There have been private funds arranged to pay for their uh, for their abortions. Um, but the judge also gave the Trump administration time to appeal the decision. Mm. And we don't know where these women are being held, but uh, one of them is 22 weeks pregnant, like I said. Uh, in most states, 24 Weeks to 28 weeks is the cutoff. So any time that is given to the administration, any time that further delays this could 
you know, basically strip her of her constitutional right to get an abortion simply because it's delayed. And the idea that the Trump administration, you know, from that level is down here denying, you know, these individual teenagers one by one, right? This, yeah. This, this, as you say, yeah. the constitutional uh, right. And right. the ACLU says that they think that there are hundreds of, of you know, young undocumented women who are in the same situation. So they're hoping that the Jane Doe case has stayed open. They're hoping to get a ruling that will set a precedent and basically overturn the policy that the Trump administration is working with. Uh, and by the way, getting parental consent? Yeah. I mean, they're parents. I mean, they're far from their parents, right? right? I mean, this is the point. The, yeah. It's whatever they can do to make sure that these women are denied their right to get an abortion. God, uh, there's so much. Uh, the, the outrages just pile up, yeah. right? Yes, uh, absolutely. Uh, Addie Baird is with us from uh, Think Progress at thinkprogress.org. Um, so we thought it was all over in uh, Virginia until the... Uh, it's not over yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not over until it's over. There was a happy ending yesterday, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. I mean... The the election itself was felt like a happy ending, and it keeps it's it's keep keeping going in this really fascinating way. The most interesting part of this. So, okay, we should say basically um, yesterday there was a recount in one of the districts in Virginia, and the ninety fourth the ninety fourth house district, district, right, which Uh, had been held for a long time by. It was a red district. Yes. Incumbent uh, David Yancey. Gerrymandered like the rest of yeah. them. Yes. Um, and the and the, Repu- the Republican incumbent led by 10 votes yesterday before the recount. And the recount uh, resulted in the Democratic candidate leading by one vote. So today that has to be certified by a panel of judges. Right. But this is proof <laughs> that every vote really does count. She literally, I think it was 11,608 yes. to 11,607. And that one vote has given the Virginia House of Delegates the, a rare 50-50 tie of Republicans and Democrats. And the Republicans came out in a statement yesterday and acknowledged that they had lost their majority and said that they were ready to move forward with a bipartisan governing framework. Uh, no, it's stunning. It's uh, wild. Uh, uh, and before it was 66 Republican, 34 Democrats. And in previous elections, Democrats have failed to put up candidates in every yeah. Because some of these red districts, they just thought, God, oh, we don't have a shot at that, right? We'll just ignore it. It's And, and this time there was a Democrat running in every single district. Uh, they thought they might pick up three or four or something. They picked up 15, yeah. now 16, yeah. making it 50-50. I don't even know this, and maybe you don't know, but so if there's a tie, like here, the vice president breaks a tie in the Senate, who would break a tie? Do you know? Is it the lieutenant governor? So the lieutenant the... governor can break the tie in the state senate. In the yeah. House of Delegates, I'm actually not sure how it works. Question. Right, but yeah. they do have to negotiate um, who will be the speaker. Mm-hmm. They have to negotiate yeah. committee chair uh, committee chairs. They'll probably they share to... the chairs or exactly. something. Exactly, and with um, the lieutenant governor, the governor, both being um, Democrats, they really are going to have to. Find like like they're going to have to lean into working with Democrats to ever pass anything. Yeah. So when you look at what happened in New Jersey, Virginia governor, Virginia House of Delegates, Alabama, what does that tell you about 2018? 
Well, the... and, and by the way, there's been other special elections yeah. for state legislature. Yep. We know the blue wall down the West Coast now, yep. on and on. Well, the thing that is most interesting when we look ahead, there are some election experts who basically say that Virginia's House of Delegates is actually our best of kind of the elections that we had this cycle. It is actually our best projection for what we're going to see in the midterms because the the you know special election in Alabama in so many ways was about Roy Moore as a right. person and right. his history and um you know the Virginia gubernatorial race was about these two men and everyone knew their names and knew their personalities and we saw their ads on television but the house of delegates these are mostly people that are unknown what we know about them is that they're on the ballot as a democrat and that the people who turned out to vote checked the boxes over and over again in remarkable with like remarkable numbers for Democrats. So the reason that that we basically can look at the success Democrats had and as you know progressives feel some excitement for the midterms is because it basically functions as a generic ballot. Um, so that I think is one of the most interesting the, ways to to. Look yeah. ahead. Yeah. And the message, Peter, you pointed out earlier that she talked about, she talked about minimum wage. She talked about yep. dem- progressive democratic issues. Yeah. Yep. That's yeah. what she ran on, right? Yep. Right. There were so many of them who, you know, there was a uh, young democratic socialist who beat the House Speaker. Yeah. Yes. So many of them, um, you know, turned out voters locally because they knocked on doors and they had a real progressive platform. And I think Democrats should learned some lessons from that. Damn right. I love it. Yeah, No, I love it. And I hope it's, I mean, people who who have run away from progressive issues for so long to try and please everybody, like, it ain't going to work. Right. Bernie says we can win everywhere in every district. It just proves uh, that every every Democrat, every every seat is important. There's got to be a candidate running in every seat. And that every vote counts. Every vote counts. (laughs) Literally. Every single one. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Eddie. It's great to see you. Merry oh, Christmas. Great Happy to be New here. Year. Thanks for coming Happy Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.